Let's get started. In the criminal justice system, <laughs> the people are represented by me. The people are represented by two distinct, <laughs> by by no, two no, but not me because I cannot find a lawyer. <laughs> I have tried very hard. My last lawyers, they quit. They quit. They're very, they're very bad. We're just going on all in on this impression and that's it. <laughs> I think I said it, on it's, the- It's y'all's fault. Like you encouraged us. Like this is like- Yeah, and the tweet from, from the I'm, last ambitious crossover. I said something like, uh, for the people enjoying our Trump impression, people are like, actually, I'm, it's kind of grown on me. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what? Yes. Like the taste of bad food. You have enough of it. It's fine. The bad taste goes away. <laughs> so- uh we're here to keep talking about Trump. Yeah, you want to you want to tell us about your week, Mr. Trump? Uh, I had the most beautiful week. I raised all of the money. All of it? I said I would buy people a bunch of Cuban food and then left without it, paying for it. Is that true, sir? Because that's very mean. <laughs> they ordered expensive things. I don't. I I wasn't cool with it. <laughs> I was I was thinking maybe a Reuben or a, maybe a Cuban sandwich or a, some fried plantains or something. Were you, were you thinking more like McDonald's? <laughs> they give me a they give me a group discount there. I have a. <laughs> I understand the hamburgers are only like a dollar. I don't know about inflation. I don't know if that's like changed things. But, I was um... I was speaking to the hamburglar about uh, potential methods to avoid prison time. Mm. <laughs> Did he have any advice for you? Because it seems like you need some. It seems like you might be going to prison, <laughs> sir. Yeah, I mean, so who? You know, uh, from the people who know what they're talking about more, because 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 you know, at the end of the day, everybody uh, everybody uh, who and analyzes these things and talks about what will or might not happen, at the end of the day, is fumbling in the darkness. So people have more like historical knowledge to like base their predictions on, but shit's so crazy. Who knows? But but um. The thing I'm hearing, especially with regards to like Trump's mindset, is that he's definitely going to try to push this so that it happens. The trial happens after the election. Uh, you have a right to a speedy trial, but the point of a right to a speedy trial is that it's your right, although the people <laughs> also have an interest in speedy trial. So it's not just you, but if you want to delay the trial, you absolutely can by filing lots of motions and stays and all that shit. Right. And it is still somewhat questionable as to whether he has legal representation right now, which is another way of forestalling this, because obviously on Tuesday, he still had to go, you know, present himself, not not get fingerprinted, not take a mugshot, not give up his passport, not actually be handcuffed. Nothing that like would normally signify the fact that you have been detained for something. But he still went and showed himself all that good stuff. But now it's the question of when is he actually going to be arraigned because he doesn't actually have legal counsel. He's not claimed pro se. So it, it's kind of a, a weird, murky sort of situation as to how this is going to move forward. I mean, I'm sure he'll find a lawyer somewhere. I'm sure. Maybe. I don't know. Look, there's no shortage of lawyers who would be willing to represent him. He's gonna. He would have to want that person too, though. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna hire Tom Fitton. He's not a lawyer, but he's the only guy I listen to anyway. I like, I like Tom Fitton because he tells me the things that I like to hear. He told me that I could just keep the documents. He yes. said it. Yes. He runs Judicial Watch. I don't know if you know it. It's it's a site. It's, have you it's ever a seen? Have you ever seen a muscular man lie before? I have not. I mean, he. It, this site is called Judicial Watch. Clearly, <laughs> clearly, he knows about judicials. And, and he said I could keep the documents. 
And uh, so another thing that people are talking about is the judge that got uh, picked again randomly because that's how courts work. They draw lots out of a thing. Uh, Eileen Cannon, a judge that Trump appointed and was in the news because she was the one who decided to appoint a special master after the Mar-a-Lago raid, which was like highly unusual and in fact got overruled. I guess I got quickly overruled. By a panel of three judges. Two of them were also appointed by Trump, by mm. the way. Just to... Now, uh, I've actually heard some like people like argue – people you maybe wouldn't expect to argue like in fa- – to say like in fairness to her in that situation. She was dealing with something that didn't really have a lot of precedent before. And it is – you know, judges can make a wrong call. That's why appellate procedures exist and all that shit, right? So the fact that people are saying like, oh, she has to recuse herself and oh, this is whatever is really premature. And in fact, a Trump friendly judge is actually not a bad thing, I think, in this trial, because, again, the evidence against him is pretty strong. And so having like a judge that is famously sort of sympathetic to him, if he is indeed found guilty, uh, would kneecap his ability to be like, the judge hates me. She's woke. It's a woke judges. Mm-hmm. Everybody's woke. And all kinds of like uh, venue requests and recusal requests and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. She's also able to apparently, and this is because of a weird like way that the justice system worked that I didn't know that, um, that uh, preliminary arraignment judges like that are actually like a lesser kind of judge. Can't remember what they called it. They called it like, a section one judge as opposed to a section three judge. I don't know the ins and outs in this of this, but the point is like the trial judge can essentially reverse anything that the arraignment judge ruled uh, stuff like, you know, that he can't discuss the case with whatever, for example, like uh, on advisory opinions that we're talking about how uh, a, a rule that he can't discuss the case with potential witnesses might be overturned simply because a presidential candidate on a presidential campaign speaking at a rally can potentially be talking about his case to a potential witness by virtue of him being on television and speaking to a large crowd. And the First Amendment cannot penalize someone for having a larger platform than your average schmo, right? That's not okay. And so some things like that just by virtue of like the way that reality works and the way that civil rights work could result in some of those things being overturned or I don't know what. Right. And a lot of this does kind of hinge on the fact that he is running for president. So you have the situation where obviously he's going to be speaking publicly on something and you can't tell him that he can't, I, I guess technically you could, if you wanted to like try to do a gag order, but I mean, good, luck with that yeah it wouldn't work it would again it would not survive on appeal i can't be gagged yeah and uh and again i understand the frustration that there is with this but it's just a reality of the way that things work again if you if you want the same uh uh, because people you know say people say like nobody's above the law right that's a, a refrain with trump which is completely true but if that's if that's the system you're operating under, then he also deserves every bit as protection as a regular person, even though like the words that he says are heard by more people and the stuff that he says carries more weight in lots of places. It's just the way things are, right? You can't say because you have a TV show, you now can't do this, whereas a normal person can just go talk to somebody. And this is one area where I will entertain the whole idea that, okay, Trump is different and special. Because that's the the thing that's always been thrown up about prosecuting him at all for anything is like, well, he's a former president. Like, okay, yeah, he's a former president. He's a private citizen now. You did your crimes as a private citizen. The idea that you shouldn't be charged for doing your crimes as a private citizen makes no damn sense to me. Right. But this does create a weird situation where, yeah, he's running for president. He is a former president. He is famous. So kind of like, what do you do with that? But it's 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 going to be interesting from a procedural standpoint exactly how they handle this. And like I said, we don't know when this is going to go to trial, like what any of that is going to look like at this point. Um, obviously, the indictment has been discussed publicly plenty. We discussed it on Ambitious Crossover Attempt. 
Um, it seems like they've got him pretty dead to rights on, you know, having classified documents that he knew were classified and were not declassified and, and again, was showing them to people. And even if you throw all of that stuff out, even if there's a good defense uh, for the classified documents thing, you can figure out some kind of rule. You can finagle article, do some, I don't know what. The other stuff isn't about that. Obstructing, because Trump mm-hmm. tried this stuff a different time too. The idea of like, I can't obstruct anything if no crime has occurred. And that is 100% not true. Right. You can be very innocent of something and do things uh, to like tor- to like uh, throw investigators off or in- in- interfere with their work. And that in itself is its own crime. And all of the stuff that he did later the communications with his lawyers, the Nauda moving the boxes, taking the boxes to Bedminster, telling his lawyers, like, what if what if we just tell them there's no documents and stuff? That's what if we just lie? Not to mention that that fact in itself harms your own defense that you were acting in good faith with the classified documents, because in that case, why do you need to go through so much trouble to make them go away? If it's all on the up and up, if you had listened to your lawyers instead of Tom Fitton, who said, oh, sure, it's fine. It's fine. You keep the documents. Now, I have sympathy on Twitter. It's very easy to say, like, well, do this. Just do that. Right. Think about your job, whatever it is. <coughs> Excuse me. And think about something happening in your job that's never happened before. Some problem crops up. Someone has an issue with something that's never happened before. And think about the extra steps that you take when something like that happens. It could be any random thing, a bug in your website that's never happened before, some HR problem that you and your experience have never had to deal with before. Those things are hard. Now add to that the fact that it's like on the national stage, it's unprecedented, not just like you at your office job. It's like a thing that's never happened in the history of this country. Mm-hmm. It could have far-reaching political implications, personal implications. I understand why nobody wa- why a lot of people would like someone else involved in the ultimate decision making. That's also why I think you can explain uh, uh, Judge Cannon's decision with the special master like that. For example, I'll give an example for me, my own neuroses. Mm-hmm. Like often if something uh, is uh, brand new to me that I'm doing or is, again, unprecedented, I will very often ask people like coworkers or people to like look at it as well. Just so that I know as many eyes as possible have been, in a, have been on it to tell me, yes, this is okay or whatever. It's very hard to be the person that makes the call in the situation. Even if you're a judge, even if you're the head of the FBI, I think Comey might've gone through some of that shit too with Hillary. Should we say it? Shouldn't we say it? We should say it and then we should take it back and then we should take it back back. He was probably the worst person at that time for a decision as hard as that. I think the way he acted kind of proves that. But at the end of the day, like everybody's just a person and it, it is very difficult to be a person who makes a uh, makes decisions this critical right and like i said it's it's a weird situation i mean it genuinely is and i don't like I, said, I don't like this whole idea like oh we shouldn't do it at all but i mean i do acknowledge the fact that it is kind of bizarre what else is kind of bizarre is been the reaction to this particular indictment like okay when the bragg indictment came out I mean, there was reaction, obviously, but it was mostly like dismissive of the indictment itself because it is it is rather thin gruel. But this one is not. So now the reaction has been not so much to dismiss the indictment uh, um, among people who are Trump supporters and people who claim to not be Trump supporters, but... So now there's this like this weird sort of idea percolating that like, you have to still support Trump, despite the fact that he's been caught doing the criming. But now it, it's like it's it's become this thing that's it's about Trump, but it's not about Trump. It's it's Trump has become this weird sort of avatar in the culture war. I feel like, and so you have people like Dave Mercantis who made a whole tweet thread about like, no, I don't like Trump as a person. I think he was a good president, but I don't feel like I can abandon him right now because then that's basically letting the libs win. And it's like, 
okay, first of all, you understand what you just said was stupid, right? Like you, you understand that you don't owe anybody your support, especially not somebody who literally has done the absolute least to earn anybody's loyalty on anything ever at any point in his life. But you start to get this weird like entrenchment of people who like feel like even despite what the indictment says, like you still have to support Trump because reasons, because it, it's it's the new version of because he fights. He he fights. He he fights the libs. And like first of all, like no, he Donald Trump doesn't fight for anybody other than Donald Trump. And Nalta's gonna find that out the hard way too. And that's that's a whole nother ball of it wax. It was all Nauta's idea. It, I, I mean, <laughs> I, God help this dude if he thinks Trump's going to fucking save his ass. The, the, go ask the people who are sitting in jail after January 6th about how much Trump will like sacrifice anything of himself to save you after you put your ass on the line for him. Like that does not happen. But it's like he's like I said, he's become this like weird avatar and it's almost it's I, I I use the word cults in the title of this episode because it is it's kind of taking on that vibe of like we have to support dear leader no matter what. But there's also like this weird it's hard to describe like there's this weird undercurrent of like almost like codependency maybe like I don't even know how to describe it, but it's like people having this emotional connection that almost even goes beyond like parasocial to a man who they don't know they're never going to meet this man does not give a shit about anybody he doesn't care about you but people feel like i have to support this man and i'm just like it 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 kind of weird to me and i'm like this is like what is wrong with you like no you don't owe him anything you don't even know this man there's something kind of sad about the fact that uh this is about trump because so i think a big uh, sort of under discussed precursor to trump like a cause of trump becoming president is that during uh, especially obama's second term there was this overwhelming sense that like conservatives lost like permanently mm-hmm. They lost the culture. They lost politics. There was this impenetrable kind of liberal wall of like academia, entertainment and media and politics. Everybody loved Obama. And now like playing footsie with politicians is kind of common. But I remember like when Obama did that thing and but he had like a photo shoot in BuzzFeed that he took photos with a selfie stick because it was like the big new thing. And how <laughs> when taking pictures of selfie sticks was cool. Actually. And the, lo- the love fest felt like disgusting and, and stuff. And the attitude was, ha ha, that's it. You fell off the train. We're passing you by. Goodbye. And the anger, <laughs> the anger and the resentment that I saw on the right for this and the like the boiling like we're gonna get you we're gonna get you back and you're not gonna see it coming and then we'll see who has the last laugh right and trump felt like that to a lot of people even ones that didn't like him because they were like eh, trump but look how fucking mad all those people were who spent eight years telling me haha right the problem is and and up to that point whatever he wasn't president he had never been in politics His record was just the fact that he was a brash, gross idiot, right? Now you have all of the – like now you know what kind of president and kind of like politician he is. For you to – and now you're terrified of handing liberals another kind of Obama-esque victory in the form of them putting him in prison or whatever. And so you're so obsessed with not giving them that win – that you're throwing yourself on the sword of someone who, like you said, really doesn't deserve it. And not only does he not deserve it, because you said this is the new version of He Fights, which is a very astute observation because there is no real point to be made anymore about how he fights because he doesn't, right? right? He didn't go after Hillary because this is all, what about, but, but Hillary, what about happened with Hillary or whatever? Who was president right after that shit? Literally immediately after the Hillary email shit, Trump became president and instead he hired a bunch of people that now they're all saying these are the deep state people. Those are the people I'm really worried about. And it's like, okay, 
And so I, I tried to steal man like uh, like Dave Marcus, who you're talking about, and other people. And I said to them, but but why? Because because I said to him, fine. Why is your choice abandon Trump or make Trump president? What? There's no grayer area in between these two. You can't support him in his legal battle. Fucking donate money to his lawyer fund if you want, and go protest and write articles about how this isn't okay or whatever, and vote for someone who will actually do the things that you want done, not someone who had a chance to and didn't. Like that's the weird part here. Fine. You don't want to say Trump is guilty and throw him in prison. I'm not going to judge you if you don't want to do that. But who decided that the only way to show uh, fealty to Trump is to make him president? Trump. And so what you're doing is you're like adopting his own idea of what it means to be loyal, not your idea of what it means to be loyal. You can be eternally loyal to him and say you're dealing with four indictments or whatever because Georgia's seemingly coming down the pipe now too. Don't you can't run for president right now. How about you know what? How about if that's your attitude? I can't abandon Trump. How about you lobby DeSantis to pardon Trump when he becomes president and support him? Like, I don't understand why he needs to be president. Because this is the thing. <laughs> and and I've discussed this with conservatives in the, the vein of social media in that. In, in we'll get to why I feel like a tiny bit of sympathy for Ron DeSantis right now. They're doing the thing. They're doing the thing that they always do where conservatives will say, oh, we want a choice. We want another option. We want this, that, whatever. And so somebody is always dumb enough to be like, okay, I'll give you the thing that you said you want only to find out that they didn't actually want the thing. So, this is why I feel bad for DeSantis. It's becoming obvious that everybody who, or every, because nobody ever goes on record saying this, but all the conservatives are saying, I'm so tired of Trump. I wish we had an alternative. And I just, <laughs> okay, you have one now, but you don't want to take it. You want Trump. And that's the thing. You never wanted an alternative. And that's where you're getting this whole, president or bust thing because that's what they wanted in the first place and so ron DeSantis in this situation is the sap that fell for the idea that like okay you want an alternative to trump here i am and now everyone's like no actually we we're just we're gonna go support trump even though he's facing indictments out the ass and so it's like you 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 did the thing again. You did the thing again. I, I can't. <laughs> you caught you caught the car, and now you don't know what to do. Right. It's like, and they do this all the time. Like it's, like I said, we I've, I've made this argument in the milieu of social media because conservatives are always like, we want a conservative Twitter, and so okay, we'll give you Parler, we'll give you Gab, we'll give you Getter. Truth, we'll give you Getter. Did any of these motherfuckers leave Twitter? No, no, they did not. And so this is the same thing. Like it was like, oh, we want, we're just, we're just tired of Trump. We're just tired, tired of it all, all the drama, all the nonsense. We just wish we had an alternative. And And so an alternative shows up, but you don't take the alternative. And the real joke here is that if your motivating factor is, I really want to make the libs angry. You're going to do that by voting for DeSantis. Right. Like there's an option right there that's not Trump that will get you all of the same thing. He's taking all of the flack. Like that's the weird part. Again, it's – it's it, they're, it, I they, mean you can make an argument that DeSantis has done more culture war-wise an actual like substantive policy law areas than Trump ever even dreamed of doing. And – but – it's you like, don't want him. Like, it, I don't yeah. get it. It's like they have five different arguments in support of Trump, but all, but they're, they contradict or don't align with each other. Mm-hmm. They just switch to another one. So one of them, again, was like, okay, so – but what, you know, what about Hillary? And I was like, okay, you were mad about Hillary, and now you're mad that they are going after someone. And so they say, okay, but deep state. And I say, okay, but those are all people he hired. You know, like it, the the, right. the 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 arguments shift from one to another, but they are not inter reliant. Like it's like one argument like uh, contradicts another. So if I 
refute this one argument of yours, you can just switch to the other one that was contradicted by your previous argument. So it's like, what is the reason you're doing this? And that's what I was trying to get from David, uh, from Dave yesterday, because he said, you know, he, he basically pulled the, you know, why are you so hostile kind of thing? And I said, I'm just trying to understand the flow of your logic from like, I'm worried about the deep state to I need to make Trump president again, who A, did nothing about the deep state and B, hired all of the people that he now calls the deep state. Like that. So I still don't get it. I said, like, I'm not. Once again, if you think that Trump uh, is uh, an example of someone that the system went after particularly harshly when they uh, when they kid glove other politicians, that's a whatever. And you and you and you think that this is bullshit and you think that any other politician would have gotten away with it and therefore it's not fine. Whatever. But like think about how those problems will get resolved if he's president. And the answer is that they won't like, he's already shown that he can't do that. And so meanwhile, DeSantis is out with his like five step plan to re like uproot the parts of the DOJ and FBI and move them out of DC and decentralize their authority like he's there with like the practical methods of how to do the thing you want. Meanwhile, Trump's just like, I'm going to fire all of the investigators who specifically worked on my case. It's like he's saying it. This isn't me editorial. Like the idea is there's Trump world is now trying to figure out the names of everybody involved in this investigation, like all the investigators from the DOJ, from the FBI and fire them when he becomes president. It's like personal score settling versus someone who is like, and, 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 and that's the, you want sympathy for DeSantis. Here's my sympathy for DeSantis here is that, yeah, he's saying he's like, he's not going hard at Trump at all. He, he isn't defending him in the same way that like people like Scalise and other people are defending him. He's mostly mad about, you know, like the weaponization of the department of justice or whatever, but, and what he's doing with that is proposing a plan for a systemic change in the Department of Justice, not let's fire all the people who worked on my case, right? It's like, he, he's so like, why don't you love me? And like, they don't love you because you're not Trump. And ultimately they want Trump. I, it, it's like, Again, I'm it's not, like DeSantis is like, I've done this. I, I'm I, still not sure. I'm still not sure that that's true. Like I, I passed the laws. I did the things. Like I, I, yeah. I did all the stuff. Why I, don't you love me? Yeah, I still don't think that that's true. I think that with DeSantis, uh, it, there was uh, in in uh, in Israel uh, when I was younger, there was this factor that an, an intangible factor that they would always talk about in politics, which is the people who are on some level or another ashamed to admit in public who they vote for, right? right? And will say to pollsters that they were are going to vote for person A and they're going to tell all their friends and they walk around pretending to be a person who votes for A. But then when they're in that voting booth all by themselves and nobody's looking, they will vote the way they really want to, right? And I think that there was a little bit of that with Trump, like uh, in 2016, mm -hmm. there was a lot of people who were like... I really like him, but what am I? I don't want to say so or whatever. And, and now there's the reverse, meaning there's a lot of people I think out there who, again, will like brashly tell a pollster, fuck you, I support Trump. But if he's not the nominee or even not if he's not the nominee, even if the moment of voting comes and you have the potential there, how many people will be like, yes, I literally want him to be president for four more years. I don't – there are a lot of people – again, I keep saying this – I reject the idea that there is not a hardcore MAGA group that will stand with Trump till the end. I want to know, A, how big it is in practice, and B, how much of it thinks that it's hardcore, but there is ablation. There is exhaustion because, you know, plenty of people in polling after the indictment uh, on the Republican side said it was political, but like an even larger majority of them said they don't, they want Trump to stop talking about it. So that's, and that's part of it because it's not just uh, 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 that he's a victim or whatever. 
The idea is like, okay, fine, you're a victim. The election was stolen. Cool, fine, whatever, whatever. Let's win the next one. Stop talking about it because then I have to keep talking about it and I have to keep defending it. And you know what? I don't even think the 2020 election was stolen, but I still think that Trump is the kind of president we need, but he won't shut up about the thing, that thing. And so in, like, and I can't do it anymore. And I do think that in, this, in that case, right now, DeSantis is the only alternative in the field of primaries who appeals to that sense of kind of Trumpiness because nobody else does. Uh, Chris Christie is going around. He's the only one who decided that his like plan of action is, look, I'm polling low or whatever. I'm just going to go all out. I'm just going to call Trump a trash motherfucker and I don't know what because I don't care. I actually I, I kind of like that as a strategy. I think Chris Christie burned every bit of like <laughs> yellow strat. Yeah, no, because some people are like, you know, Christie's actually some people are becoming kind of Christie curious. I think that he just burned. <laughs> Did you just invent a new sexual orientation? <laughs> I think he burned a lot of the goodwill that a lot of people had, uh, you know, had for him it, on the right by uh, buddy buddying with Obama after Hurricane Sandy and on the left and also like non-Trump right by being a Trump kiss ass in 2016 until he was told to get back on the plane and go back to New Jersey. I'm I'm busy. Like Literally. there was a, yeah, there's a video of Trump being like, Christie flew with him somewhere on the plane. And then Trump is like on a hot mic being like, get back on the plane, go home, leave me alone. It's like, I can't, like, again, like, that's why I don't get the whole loyalty angle. Like, I, I, yes. And also he's a scummy politician who, who, who avoided like serious trouble himself over the bridge gate thing. His aides went, I think his, one of his aides went to prison over right. it. Like not a. But like the only appeal that he holds right now is that, quote unquote, he's the only one with the balls to properly call Trump out. But that he, he but he is a he's a loud mouth, insulting, like toxic kind of person, too. He's just channeling it right now towards the target that you think, you know, needs to be like stuff like that needs to be said about them. Everyone else in the race, uh, Haley, Tim Scott, Mike Pence, they're not out there vying for the MAGA vote, right? You could say that DeSantis is the only person who's currently trying to actively capture the MAGA vote. And there is something to be said about that. And I just don't, I just don't know. I don't know. I I, I think that his fundraising number, which I'm going to give myself major props, because I don't know shit about political fundraising. And I, I did not expect myself to have a take like this. But I said it was weird to me that I didn't see after the day of the indictment uh, fundraising numbers. And then after that, I heard a couple of people say like say the same thing and say, oh, he's probably going to wait until Tuesday. And so I said, OK, if after Tuesday he posts his number and the number is not gigantic, that indicates some issues because either lumping lots of days in together, whereas after the first indictment or after the Mar-a-Lago raid, they immediately came out with like 24 hour numbers. And the number that they came out with, which was like 6.6 million, is not amazing. Plus, 2.4 million of it was just from the Bedminster event alone. Right. Which which is amazing because it's like DeSantis and his donors. Also, I raised 2.4 million at my country club last night. It's like when I must say, when somebody says that they raised that kind of money at one event, that tells me that there was at least one big donor. Like, this is not like. You know, 47,000 people donated to your campaign. It was one or two people. It was in a thousand dollar. It was in a thousand dollar minimum. And the top tier uh, of that event was a hundred grand and included like, I think like, you know, sit at my table and do whatever. We'll have McDonald's together. We'll have have taco salad. You can have one bite of my Big Mac. I I will bring down the person from, from Trump restaurant in new york city he makes the best taco salad <laughs> maybe you saw my picture you saw my picture right would you taco, like would you, li- bowl. would you like an autographed version of that picture i will give it to you yeah and so i mean it, you know in theory you know like 20 people come there with that 100 grand right. uh tier and you you raise two million dollars so right it, and that but that's my point is like saying that number is kind of deceptive because it's like it's not I think people have gotten very used to the idea of like, well, I, I will say this with air quotes, grassroots donations, because uh, there's there's a lot to discuss there yes. too. But people see like a number like that and they think like it's a bunch of small donors. It's like, no, it's it's not. Like if somebody raised 
that much money at one event, it was a couple of large donations. Yeah. If uh, the only person whose small dollar donation extent is worth talking about is Bernie Sanders, who really gets like shit tons of money from people who donate, you know, like less than 50 bucks each or something like that, or under 200, I think is the, is what small money right. donors get. Um, and what did that do for him? Nothing, Nothing. Right. And so I, and, and so again, I'm, I'm not, I'm also not super keen on like fundraising uh, numbers in general, because like you said, it's very deceptive. It's a very deceptive thing. The, the ability to convince a bunch of really rich people to part with some of their money uh, is not indicative of like what a threat you are to a president, nor is the amount of money you spend on your campaign campaigns uh, all over the country, every election cycle that are massively outspent by their opponent opponent are mm-hmm. either close races or it's sometimes they even win. It's not about that. It's uh, certainly effective, right? It certainly helps to have a lot of money to get your name out there, but it is not like this candidate raised this much money and spent this much money. Doesn't really track in a way that makes it like a formidable statistic. Trump loves talking about how much money he made, but but that's a politician thing in general. It's well, like that's, I, a, that's a Trump thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, like touting your fundraising numbers is like something politicians do in general. I think that maybe on some level, rich donors trust other rich donors. So if you hear a politician is convincing a lot of rich donors, you're like, "Ooh, I like this guy. He rich people seem to like him." Um, but the number was not mind-blowing. I said DeSantis in the first 24 hours of his announcement made $8.2 million, and Trump in the f- five days? Because it was say, Thursday. Almost, yeah, almost. Some, it happened Thursday yeah. evening. So Friday evening, Saturday evening, Sunday evening, Monday evening, Tuesday evening. And they published the result on Wednesday. So that's five days, right? Was less than that at 6.6. Also, people responded to me with the point that, like, DeSantis – uh, raises funds off of entering the race. Trump raises funds o- off of getting indicted. And that is in itself somewhat of an intangible point. It's like this guy's got to get in trouble for people to give him money. I mean, I, I, there's no doubt that he's going to fundraise off the indictment and has because he fundraises off of – the man goes to the bathroom. And he sends out a fundraising email. <laughs> like it, it's, it's literally like it's insane. Five like, times match. Donald Trump says that you haven't donated in five months, and he's very sad. He's very sad, and he's taking this very personally. So can you please send him some money? Please. (laughs) Thank you. And then it says in small print, only 1% of the money you give will go to that. The rest is – Please – yeah, please donate to the, the, the RNC. 90% 90% of this will go to <laughs> Donald Trump. <laughs> I need to I need to redo one of the bathrooms at Mar-a-Lago. There's a lot of there's, there's a lot of empty there's, space in it now. Yeah, there's box-shaped stains on the floor. Mm. <laughs> the chandelier is a little busted. Yeah. They 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 treated my things very 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 nasty. Very yeah. nasty. They were going in and out of there with a forklift and they uh, they hit the door jam. They it's were, expensive. They were very nasty. Imported wood from Italy. Mm. Um, and, uh, so like I said, I'm going to keep saying this because this time more than any, I want to see results. I want to get to the primaries. I want to get to the trial or at least the first hearing where they got to submit all their motions and all that stuff. We need to get to the things we, we have a tendency again, I'm going to say this every show (laughs) to think of life as moving at the speed of the internet. And to make a lot of far-reaching predictions, a lot of conclusions, a lot of very hard-formed opinions based on, like, the first five minutes of a thing. When, a th- when, when we're talking about a thing that's going to take years to resolve, the election's going to take a year and a half to resolve, the trial could take an and that's only this one. I mean, the Bragg thing is going to go to trial, mm-hmm. right? It's pro- he's, he's probably not going to. He's probably not going to like he's probably going to walk out of there like easily. Right. I, you know, I played the law and order music. We we're talking about the difference between these two cases. I said the Bragg case reminds me a lot of an episode of law and order 
where someone is about to get away with something. And so then the ADAs have a sit down meeting with the district attorney and try to figure out some kind of creative way to bend the law in order to get their person. It's a sort of a very common, at least in kind of golden age law and order. That used to be a very common thing. Like, oh, this person's going to outsmart us. Oh, but what if we pull out this 1896 law about this and that, and we prosecute them under this clause or that clause, and then the DA will be like, McCoy, you're crazy. I can't get out of my office or whatever. But then they sometimes – and then to, to law and order's credit, sometimes that shit doesn't work, right? Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. They're not, it's not a, like a, <laughs> a magic solution, a magic bullet. But Bragg, you know, the euphemism, I think they said something like novel use of the law or something like that, right? <laughs> it's novel. Yeah. And uh, and so the idea was like, yeah, we're going to make some kind of argument that's non-standard to try to uh, to try to like enhance the criminality of what happened here by tying it to campaign finance. Uh, we spoke about that a lot when it when it happened. Mm -hmm. This is much different. Like I said, even if because most of the defenses of Trump that I've seen or pretty much all of them relate to the documents thing. He had the right to. He didn't have the right to. He did it with this. All of the other stuff, everybody's kind of not touching because I think they know that they can't. And I think that the argument that they have planned on the side is that same dumb argument from the Mueller, time, from the Mueller investigation of if he didn't do a crime, what is he obstructing? But like literally, literally, there is no way to avoid you saying to your lawyers like, hey, what if you take this to your hotel and like shred it? I mean, right. you didn't say shred it, but like or like move just, these, go to the country club because they're going to come here. I don't want them to find it here. Move it to another place. I just made I didn't say anything. I just made a plucking motion. Yeah. You absolutely cannot argue convincingly, I think. Right. That there was no that like, oh, there was no classified documents. So this can't be a crime. But what he was doing was he was trying to prevent uh, authorities from finding a thing that they were looking for there. If it was yours, write to the justice justice department and say, "I'm sorry." Under Article Two of the whatever, Says these are materials, yeah, boxes. that were declassified by the president. Like he, they could have even just done. Like, imagine if they had responded to the National Archives by saying, um, "We we appreciate your request." However, the president uh, declassified these materials in his last day in office. And are they are now part of the whatever because there's all kinds of there's a law about personal and departmental documents. It's complicated, but the point is his conduct inherently indicates that he didn't do those things. Because right. if he and had, he was yeah. aware that he did not do those yes. things. Mens rea. He he was aware <laughs> of the fact that he did not declassify the documents because he said so with his mouth. Into a tape recorder. Yes, and covering up the crimes because that was also the problem with the Mueller report because the Mueller report said we couldn't find any evidence of collusion with Russia. What we did find is how much he fucked with our ability to find this, right, uh, which is another thing that a lot of people – because I – again, I will I, – I, I, at, the, at the time and still today, I say like Mueller did not find – evidence of the 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 big ass tall tale claims that the resistance made about him it just wasn't there there was a lot of sketchy shit i think that trump obviously did not mind russia doing a bad things to hillary i mean he fucking said so repeatedly right, right? he on stage Again, at a rally called them into hacker emails into yeah. <laughs> we have this on day right but that is not the kind of criminal collusion that people were talking about however the second part of that report, the report that dealt with stuff like obstruction and whatever, definitely outlines a similar behavior pattern to here, which is I don't like authority, which is hilarious mm -hmm. coming from who was literally the authority. Yeah. And I'm not like I'm I don't want to let these people get one over on me and I'm not going to humili humiliate. I think he didn't think that we're going to do a raid. I think that he no, probably I, I, said, yeah. what are they going to do, raid me? It's like that graphic. What are you going right. to do, quote from man stabbed? What are you going to do, stab, stab me? me? Yeah. And so I – and Which I in, – in all fairness, not a completely illogical line of thought. Correct. Because, because of the attitude of how right. politicians are sort of pussyfooted with and all stuff like that. Although, again, in the past, people got in trouble. Sandy Berger – Clinton's uh, whatever he was, Waltz walked Bad into man. the National Archives and took boxes out in order for them to not be there to help cover up something for the president. And 
was prosecuted for this. And the uh, we were talking about this. That's the buffers, right? Sandy the Berger buffers. did it. But there's no, like, text where Bill Clinton is like, Sandy. Can you please go to the National Archives and move uh, these boxes? I feel your pain, Sandy. Sandy. Please Sandy. go to the archives and get those papers for this me. Sandy, Sandy, I need you to do me a favor. I, I know. Need you, I need you to go get these boxes for me. Listen, just go get the boxes and I, move them. I don't know why my Bill Clinton sounds like Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Southern accents <laughs> there's there's some things in the boxes sandy i just i need the boxes can you please please go get them for me <laughs> no he didn't put it in like fucking text message like not that we had text messages really back then we had like t9 it was horrible he, you would never want to text anybody he that be, he, he sent it to his beeper uh, <laughs> his uh, pager uh, you're sitting there like you're having to push one button like four times to make one letter you're not texting this stuff to people oh no my dad didn't even have those my dad had a pager where like if you like you would uh you would page him with your phone number it only right. had digits and my dad who is a lawyer and was a trial more of like a trial lawyer back then uh we had like a an agreed upon code which was like to page him my number plus 911 right and like he would had, know that that was an emergency yes. that he could like if he was in court he could say to the the judge i'm sorry my son has an emergency i have to to i yes, have to go call him for, for you young people we had these things before cell phones <laughs> they were called pagers they were just like little boxes that you clipped to your Pants. We wore a and pager on our belt. That was the fashion of the time. It was the fashion <laughs> of the time. And it just had a small screen that showed numbers. Yes. So and we came up with elaborate codes. Yes. To send to each other. And uh, because we couldn't text. And uh, and tech moved so quickly that uh, very soon pager became uh, uh, something uh, that was only associated with drug dealers. Right. Because <laughs> because again untraceable because you couldn't prove who texted you there was no right because there was no right there was no word there were no words being exchanged it was literally like a number you know page a number yeah yeah. you couldn't like track it back to whoever like paged you yes yeah so like if you drove a nice car and you had a pager people thought you were (laughs) you were a drug dealer (laughs) if you had two pagers you were definitely a drug oh yeah you were absolutely a drug dealer or a contractor, you know, like, which, which is probably someone which, else had like two pages. Yeah. yeah. Which means you probably had a side job as a dealer. <laughs> um, and uh, so once again, I, I think we're just, we're, we're, we're coming back around to the same point, which is that Trump's uh, personality and his sort of personal deficiencies in his behavior are the thing that makes him a really bad test case for what a lot of his defenders are saying. It's not fair. Again, if you were railroaded here, if this was another bullshit case, because I kept saying the idea that prosecuting a former president is a banana republic is absurd on its face. In fact, prosecuting former presidents is a note that we're not a banana republic right? because we don't have a protected political class. However, those cases need to be really solid. More solid probably than your average Joe, and maybe that's not fair, but there is the the health of the system. It's in the same way where you talk about the assassination of a president, right? In theory, on paper, it is no different than any other murder, right? You murdered a person, right? right. But we all know that the assassination of a sitting president is has different. far, far greater ramifications beyond the actual act than than other murders right and 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 it needs to be treated with that gravitas and in that same case i i think that prosecuting a former like a leader needs to be really really airtight not any kind of novel uses of the law that's bullshit trying to rework laws into some kind of original kind of theory that you can kind of use to take someone down that start. It doesn't smell like a banana Republic because in a banana Republic, you don't need to do that. You just fucking throw the previous guy in prison and go like, that's, he was a traitor, right? That's banana Republic, but that it does undermine the credibility of law enforcement and the justice system. It undermines the ability of like being able to sell stuff like this to the public. I do think that the brag thing, did damage some some damage regarding the uh the this indictment meaning like people were already primed to be like well they're jumping all over and whatever 
And I bet you that uh, what's his name? The the prosecutor here, Jack Smith. Mm-hmm. I bet fucking hates Alvin Bragg. Like I really, I, I would not be, I don't know anything about him. I haven't even heard Jack Smith speak. I didn't watch his press conference. Yeah. Don't know anything about him except that he has a reputation for always getting his guy. Like he's a, apparently like a really sort of a, a really good prosecutor who who prosecutes good cases like he doesn't lose a lot and i guess that's part of the reason is that he's not just you know like with the like with zimmerman or other other the da's who are like i'm gonna aim for the stars because that's what people are like chanting for in the streets and then you get nothing right and that happens quite a lot i mean now not so much now people get mad that uh, you know, like uh, people who are on camera killing an arm, unarmed black man are only prosecuted for second-degree murder or first-degree manslaughter, like the Neely thing, for example, right, yeah. who, who was indicted as well by mm-hmm. Alvin Bragg. Yes. But uh, people get mad that, like, it's of a lesser crime, but it's like, dude, it's we're talking, like, 10 years ago history, eight years ago history. This isn't ancient history. Right, like, go for the... Go for the charges that you could possibly get a conviction on. Like, yes. Because people are like, it's murder, but he only got accused of manslaughter. It's like, you need to separate the colloquialism murder from the legal statute of murder, right? It's very different. It doesn't, manslaughter is by no means like a morally lesser offense to no. murder. It still means you killed somebody. And 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 a manslaughter charge can be something that in the public parlance you would call a murder, right? It is merely you could you know what? What if instead of manslaughter, they just called it murder in the third degree and murder in the fourth degree? Fine. Murder junior. Like the point is the a reason murder they, that you didn't wake murder, up this morning and planned a, on doing it's a diet murder. Um murder zero. <laughs> but like the reason they don't do that is because nobody fucking cares what the internet thinks about the name of the crime that you were accused of, right? If you go to prison for 20 years for manslaughter, that's, that, you know, that's like justice being right, served. Right, you're still going to prison for 20 years. It doesn't matter that it's for manslaughter. Again, murder is just a name. You could call it Section 7 and manslaughter call it Section 9 or something like that. It's just a, a ter- like a legal term, which is, again, a big problem also like in the medical world like confusing a, me- a medical term with how people use that term you know like outside of medicine creates a lot of confusion in the public eye but um but yeah the idea is that uh he is i i again i don't know what's going to happen if it gets delayed until after the election but uh i said to jen this is going to be a i'm not going to tweet this <laughs> somebody go snitch on me cuz i'm not twi- i don't need the headache of tweeting this me but i'm going to snitch on you this is all academic because i live we live in washington dc yeah. which means our votes don't count for anything right. <laughs> except for mayor <laughs> who want to vote for mayor we get to vote for nothing yeah but like effectively our votes don't count for anything so this is purely academic but i was saying the one scenario uh, the one uh, scenario in which I could envision voting Democrat would be if it came down to Trump running in order to avoid prison, right? Right. If the idea is the case is such a loser that he has to become president and pardon himself to get out of prison, that's a scenario in which, again, if I lived in a swing state or whatever, mm-hmm. where I could see myself uh, bulwark voting. It's a funny word to use because <laughs> of the... Saying, yeah, it's, yeah. No, no, I know that's, that's, JD. That's kind of a JD, yes, I know that DC, I can vote for president in DC. My point it just, is, it literally doesn't matter. DC overwhelmingly votes Democrat anyway. So Joe, Joe Biden or whoever runs, if he's not running, is going to win DC with or without my vote. I mean, it doesn't matter. Uh, yes, he can run for president from prison. I mean, that would also yeah. be a scenario. I'm saying, like, the idea Good. is if the Trump presidency becomes about getting Trump out of prison, that is even after his uh, presidency, which was so self-obsessed, this would be by far the most self-obsessed thing he did more than January 6th, more than anything, because then it literally becomes about 
fixing this person, this guy's life right. by making him the president. Which is literally all he hears about. And, and, and which... I'm someone who frowns on performative political action, which is, again, why I wouldn't go vote for Biden in D.C. Again, performatively, mm-hmm. just to, to the – but I'm saying like if I – to trying to think in my mind of a scenario in which I would vote for a Democrat, that's a scenario I could see where I'm like, it's so important to me that this fuck does not get away with this. That if I can help and not make him president, I would. It just goes to show you how far he takes it for you to be like, wow, he's going to make me vote Democrat. That's that is that's sort of a crazy thing to me. But it, it is bolstered again, like Jen said, by the fact that there are some people who would not let him go. I did not vote in 2020 and I also didn't vote in 2016. I voted one time in American presidential elections. To my credit, I only uh, was in a position to vote in 2012. I was here in the 2008 election, but because I had just moved here and I moved to another city and I went to college, I didn't register in time. I didn't know how it works, so I wasn't registered to vote in the 2008 election. Uh, in 2012, I voted for Romney because, again, I, w- I also used to be more of like a an actual like quote-unquote Republican. I, I was never socially conservative. But I, I'm, I've, I've talked about this on the podcast before about how I was sort of just nominally kind of Republican-ish. Mm-hmm. Now, not to mention that Romney was not particularly, you know, he wasn't a Trump. He wasn't a DeSantis. Yeah, it's, it's so wild to think back now that like this – Mitt Romney. Romney R- said in – Mitt twi- Romney. In the, yeah, Mitt Romney in, in the 2012 <laughs> campaign, Mitt Romney said many, many things that are now like Biden staples, right? Russia was our big enemy. We had a huge danger from uh, China cyber warfare. He got mal- relentlessly mocked for saying those two things, that Russia is our, our biggest geopolitical adversary and that China, the th- the cyber threat from China was big. People like, oh, Romney said China's hacking into all our computers. Oh, no, look, my phone, China's hacking into my phone. That was 11 years ago that he said that, mm. right? And look where we are now with both mm. Russia and China. And I'm saying like things that he said right. back then, are and were scoffed at by Democrats are now literally like Biden administration policy. Could have voted for Romney. <laughs> we could have had Mitt Romney and spared all of this. Yeah, well, I mean, but I no. have, but um, but uh, uh, no, I think, I, I, I think if Mitt Romney would have won, then we would have averted this, this, this whole, <laughs> this whole off the tracking that we got in the GOP. I, I feel JD. I feel like the geo the like Republicans. I mean, I feel like both parties have drifted away from from something that I feel comfortable supporting. I've become a piecemeal type person. I I like individual people here and there. Like I said, someone I like a lot is Mike Gallagher, Congressman Mike Gallagher from Wisconsin, who again in an act that kind of proves to me that I was right to have had my eye on him since 2018. Uh, is not running for Senate, staying in the House because he's the head of the House China Committee, and mm-hmm. he's very, very like studious and astute about his work there. And they also say that he's relatively uh, like politically risk averse, so he doesn't want to run for Senate if he if it's if he doesn't think his odds are good. Which is again good political instinct, yes. right? Being risk averse as a politician, being like I got a good thing going right now. I'm in Congress. I'm doing good stuff on China. Sure, the Senate is more prestigious. I'll make more money. It's also more power or whatever. But what if I don't win? Then I'm going to be nowhere, right? right? So maybe I should do this first, you know? He also, yeah. So, and, and and so, like, I got my eye on people like that. My only problem is that I really don't see people like that becoming, you know, like, pre- that's the thing. The right. thing is, like, politicians I like are gunning for, like, a cabinet position, not president, Right. I would like Mike Gallagher to be like, you know, Secretary of State or National Security Advisor or something like that. Or if I like Dan Crenshaw, you know, another – well, he's never – he definitely never is going to be president because he really pissed off the, the hornet's nest. But he kind of made his own bed there. He was he, he was one of those people who tried to like uh, fence it and try to kind of win both sides. But because he wasn't – his head was not fully up Trump's ass, he became like a traitor. And then Tucker Carlson who – when 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 Pete Davidson made fun of uh, talk of uh, of Dan Crenshaw's missing right. eye, Tucker Carlson went ballistic on him, and then turned around and it invented the, the yeah called him Eye Patch McCain, which is like 
oh no oh you're calling me uh you're 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 calling me uh i uh, a warrior you know yeah, you're comparing me to a patch, war hero right i pass i patch centrist guy who's not a complete fucking lunatic if tucker carlson was in a in a Viet Cong bamboo cage he would get his fucking uh he would get his fucking uh uh he would he what yeah. is it it's the uh what 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 uh what scion is he is he, it's not sears uh, it's swanson. The, swanson he would get all of his fucking swanson broth money to bribe <laughs> ho chi minh to get his ass home i can get you all of the broth meanwhile all of the beef broth john mccain whose father was like a admiral yeah. or something like that and they were gonna release him early because he was like yeah. a quote-unquote high value nepo, yeah. ba nepo baby yeah he was a nepo baby I was like fuck no i'm not i'm not you're you're not gonna send me you're not i'm not taking some other guy's place right and these fucks him and trump as i talk about this guy like they would have done anything for anyone it's just it really is gross it's really gross but also like oh no you called me eye patch mccain oh 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 you and your fucking bow tie sitting in your basement. <laughs> Which is, I think, literally where he films from now. But that's, that's, that's another conversation for another time. But yeah, it's just, I mean, okay. <laughs> Maybe you're right about DeSantis. I, I, I feel like at this point though there is a lot of like wish casting that's going on oh and, sure to be like oh the 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 because again it, it, you always get this oh the conservatives the republicans are so tired of trump and i'm like i have yet to see it in a poll so i i think like i will it happen maybe do i think there's a lot of wish casting going on right now Yes, and I don't think that is extremely helpful in this current moment by just because it, it, it's always been this thing like ever since Donald Trump famously came down the golden escalator, <laughs> everybody's been waiting for that like that like the thing that's going to get rid of Trump. Everybody keeps waiting for like the like the manna to drop from the heavens and make Trump go away. That thing doesn't exist. The only thing that is going to make Trump go away is primary voters. So will they make that happen? I mean, I, 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 I've, I've given up hope of the GOP or GOP voters actually focusing on like winning an election versus doing whatever dumb shit they're doing on any given day of the week. Yeah. I mean, look, is there, is there, is there like a hope aspect to what I'm saying? Absolutely. But it's motivated also not, it's not the hope because like Rara, I'm Rara DeSantis. Right. I feel the same way about what's going on on the democratic side. Now we're like, Biden's not going to Iowa and New Hampshire. Cause they're like, we said there's no primary, but then RFK jr. And Marianne was like, fuck you. We're doing a prime. And the States were like, ah, oh, no, no, no. We are doing a primary. You're not going to tell us what to do. You just, you're, you're not going to deny our primary voters, their voice, just cause you're the president. You don't want to, you don't want to run a contest. That's bullshit. And so they're run, they're doing primaries and he's not going to be in them. And I, it, it, like I said, there is this idea that like really, once again, we're at this point where it's like, this is the best that both parties can do. These two people who are, you know, old, very old, both of them, very decrepit. old, decrepit. Uh, and, Not sure if they're actually going to survive another term. And just people who just won't fucking go away, right? It's just like enough, enough already. And the idea that Democrats, I, 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 first of all, I think that it should be in the Constitution that there is always a primary. Now, if, oh, so you see someone saying like abolish primary, uh, JD is putting uh, a, uh, the, I'll tell you what, there's a problem. With, uh, with the idea that we should abolish primaries. Uh, because on the one hand, you're right that it does prevent like weirdo scenarios like this where you're beholden to like your most radical wing because those are the primary voters. On the other hand, it is uh, it does open the door to basically just political dealing, deciding who becomes the nominee and that's also something that makes me uncomfortable. I don't know what the solution is, right? 
but like none of it is really working right now. And yeah, this, there is a chance. It, it's hard to say because there's competing, there's competing theories. Theory one is there's so much dissatisfaction. Their approval ratings are both so low. It's going to be the battle of who's less motivated. But they said that in 2020 as well. And it was like a giant election, like in terms of like raw, raw turnout. So, but once again, the idea is Trump is hugely motivating to Democrats and a lot of, uh, a lot of focus groups that were made, that were done recently with like people who are sick of Biden. They said there was one focus group. I think Kristen Saltis Anderson had a, uh, a focus group and they, she said they spent 75 of the 80 minutes of the focus group talking about how much they don't think Biden should run. And the last five minutes talking about how if he did run against Trump, they would definitely vote for him. Right. And that's honestly what it comes down to, which is that's that's I, and we could probably table this because we're already running long. But mm-hmm. Biden not primarying. Why should he? Why? You, you already know what's going to happen. You already know that people are going to vote for you if you're the candidate. Why should you bother? Well, why? why? Well, I, so I, I mean, you're, I mean, because you're, because, you're talking logistically, sure, but I think, no, I, I, I mean, mean, I'm even talking like politically and like philosophically, like, why would you waste your time? You know, people are going to vote for you. Well, again, if people, if people are, well, sure, I mean, I, I guess, yeah. I, I guess, I guess, like, yeah, but, people can say that they're sick of you all damn day, but when it comes down to it, they're going to vote for you. So what does it matter? And I legitimately, I legitimately do not think that holds true with Trump, too. I think that people are, are, are more exhausted with Trump than they are, than, than like Democrats are with Biden. And, and I do think that, once again, I think that that, that extra mo- motivating kick, to, to to especially if the specter of like prison is hanging over Trump. If the again, if Biden, if the Biden campaign is, you know, tr- okay. if Trump wins, he's going to pardon himself, and if not, he's going to go to prison. That will that will bring people to voting booths. I think. Well, here here's uh, and this is the that's that's Trump versus Biden is putting the cart before the horse. Trump versus DeSantis mm. in the primary. That's going to be the deciding factor. Do I think DeSantis can win a Republican primary? I'm not sure of that. I don't know if he'll ever get the chance to go against Biden. And that's, I think, where people are kind of like messing up this calculus of thinking like, okay, in a head to head between like DeSantis and Biden, like, okay, I wish GOP primary voters thought in that way, but they don't. And that's the problem. Like they'll vote for Trump. They'll make Trump the nominee because, eh, fuck you, fuck everybody, and then lose to rickety ass Joe Biden. Like we we watch this happen. Like it's it's insane. Yeah. No. Well, uh, well, we will all live to see it. I hope. I, I guarantee everyone listening to this. Uh, I guarantee. I I uh, I pray that everyone listening to this has a long and healthy life. <laughs> And doesn't uh, you should probably if you want to have a long and healthy life, you should probably stop paying attention to politics. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Although, again, it's becoming less less easy to ignore as it infects every part of our lives. <sighs> yeah, I think we need to go. I need to I think we need to go uh, 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 de- dedicate ourselves to woke culture and have a drink after this. Yeah, because as we know, super, bo- boozing is now woke. Uh, super woke. Yeah. Anyway, on that note, I think we're going to bring this uh episode to a close the theme music is short so i'm not going to play it yet okay <laughs> so you can start with the plugs and then uh, after that i will uh, i will do that okay so obviously you know where to find us on call in we do we well we are normally here live on thursday nights at 7 30 p.m eastern if you don't catch us live you can catch us afterwards on your podcast catchers our main podcast ambitious crossover attempt drops on mondays and you can find that on all your podcast catchers you can find us on Twitter at AMBXOver. You can find me on Twitter at that Jen Monroe and on Substack at jenmonroe.substack.com. Awesome. I'm Neon Taster on Twitter and also twitch.tv slash Neon Taster for my video game streams and youtube.com slash Neon Taster for all of the recordings of those streams and also ambitious crossover attempt on YouTube. Thank you very much. We will see you on the next episode. Thank you, Jen. Thanks, Noah. Bye, everybody. Night.